Let's be in a spirit of prayer together. Let us pray. Oh God, this day, on this Sabbath, on this holy and holiday, when we step aside from all that is happening in our life and take time to reflect and to pray and to think and to be grateful and to look for miracles large and small, be within us, be in our hearts, be in our souls, be in our minds as we seek to be transformed, resurrected even, by your word. Amen. And again from that text, early on the first day of the week while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. While it was still dark, while it was still dark, I used to be an early riser, an early riser, one of those souls who likes nothing better than to arise before the sun comes up, even while it is still dark, dark, to get a jump on the day. A friend of mine has gotten up in the dark since he was a young adult, and still every single morning, even though now he is retired, he makes a pot of coffee 
takes his mug and goes with his faithful Irish setter out to the backyard and barn. And then he sits in the quiet and peace as man and dog watch the sun slowly come up. That's a great way to wake up. My early rising days began in my first job in middle school when I delivered the Springfield Union newspaper, then the biggest warning newspaper in western Massachusetts. The papers would hit my driveway around 4 a.m., and at 4.30, I'd get up and dress for school and take that bundle of 60 broadsheets and fold them up and tuck them into my newspaper bag, and then I'd mount my bike and quietly ride through the still-sleeping neighborhood while it was still dark, so dark. I'd toss papers onto front stoops and back porches, my work illuminated by the orange glow of the streetlights, and at my roots' end, by the sun, just peeking up over the horizon. That was a great way to wake up. Until I hit the eighth grade and puberty, and then I wanted nothing more than to sleep, just sleep, 10, 12, even 14 hours a night. The papers would still hit the driveway at 4 a.m., and my alarm would go off, and I'd set the world record for hitting the snooze button like 35 times, and then the phone would start ringing from customers wondering just where the heck is my newspaper, and then my father would stomp up the stairs and swing open my bedroom door, and I'd open my eyes, and I'd see that the sun actually had been up for quite some time, and then he would give me the look, the look, and I'd drag my tired body out of bed and grumble and complain as I delivered the newspapers. That was an awful way to wake up. To wake up in peace, to wake up in turmoil, to get up in the dark, maybe even dreading the day, wanting nothing more than to go back to sleep or to get up in the dark, but in hope anticipating what joys or what surprises the day might bring, to bound out of bed, to bail, and stay in bed. What to do? I imagine that Mary Magdalene, one of Jesus' best friends and followers, I imagine Mary must have been struggling with what to do on the early morning of the third day as she lay tired and exhausted in her bed while it was still dark, so dark, four or five in the morning, staring up at the ceiling and repeating in her mind the awful events of the past few days. A last supper when Jesus said goodbye and no one really understood why he said he had to leave them. His arrest in the garden, his betrayal by one of his most loyal followers, Judas, who hours later took his own life. Then a trial before Pilate, Then Jesus standing before a mob who just a week ago had cheered him. Then a death sentence and that terrible crucifixion. She was heartsick. Her teacher's death was the absolute worst thing that she'd ever experienced in her entire life. She missed Jesus so much. Yet even though it was still dark, even though she just wanted to roll over and stay in bed and grieve, Mary arose and dressed quietly and went to the kitchen to pick up spices to anoint Jesus' body that lay in a tomb a quarter mile away or so. And then she went out into the dark, the dark, which in those days was pitch.
pitch black dark, ink black dark, so dark, no light, save for the diffuse and dusky shadows that appear in the time just before dawn. And she went out alone, all alone in the dark. And why? I mean, she could have waited for daybreak and the sun to come up. She could have waited for Peter to come along with, but, with her. But something deep, something deep within Mary's heart and soul compelled her to go out into the darkness. As Mary made her way to the tomb, she remembered that Jesus had said that he would return, that he would not abandon them. And so just the tiniest flame of hope, hope, began to burn within her soul. The smallest just maybe in hope. The most tender and most beautiful and often the hardest of human emotions and feelings to embrace, to risk having hope, even when it's still dark. Hope, even when all the evidence says otherwise, Jesus can't live again. Or maybe he can. To hope, to believe that in the immortal words of that great theologian, Yogi Berra, it ain't over till it's over. Friends, on this Easter Sunday, we come to church like Mary who goes to the tomb. We come and we journey looking for hope, for hope. We come because within our lives, we need hope and we want hope. In the battle against a disease or sickness, our own or for a loved one, hope in the energy and the struggles we put into trying our best to just be good parents and to raise good kids. Hope for the addict that fights an addiction and needs the strength to just put down the bottle or the pill or the needle. Hope as citizens of planet Earth for a better world, for a kinder world, in a world that right now in these tumultuous times can feel like it is running on spiritual emptiness when it comes to hope. Creation breaking apart as folks and leaders argue with each other. And so still we scroll through our social media feeds and we flip through the television channels looking for some hope because, man, does the world need some hope right now? God's hope. Can I get an amen for that? Hope. The thing I love most about the hope, the Easter hope that Mary embodies as she walks to the tomb in the dark, is that she goes to a scary place. She goes to a graveyard But she goes and she hopes and she shows up and she suits up. And Jesus, the risen Jesus, is resurrected, is a breathing and living symbol of God's hope for us and for the world. Divine hope, resurrection that cannot be extinguished or killed even on a cross. Hope that does not, that will not, that cannot die. Hope that lives. And all because Mary has the courage to go out in hope while it is still dark. This is what one of my favorite writers, Annie Lamott, says. Hope always begins in the dark. The stubborn hope that if you just show up and try to do the right thing, the dawn will come. You wait and you watch and you work. You don't give up. Hope always begins in the dark. Hope hangs around while everyone else has left. Hope has the commitment to get up and go to the tomb. Hope never waits for the safety of the sun to show up. On an ancient morning 2,000 years ago, hope showed up. Think about that. For hope, finally, is not hope, my friends, unless it shows up while it is still in the dark. Do you hear that? 
Hope isn't hope until, unless it shows up in the dark. I mean, hope doesn't show up after the operation is successful or after the team comes back in the ninth inning or after hurricane-ravaged homes are rebuilt in Puerto Rico after the storm or all is well. No. Hope is really only hope when it arrives before sunrise, just when we might be wondering and worrying if the sun will ever come up again. Because, friends... We all need hope, and especially while it is still dark. About a year and a half ago, I faced about the worst health crisis of my adult life, chronic and often crippling pain in my neck and shoulders. It was brought on by arthritis and muscle knots and stress. It was a pretty dark time as I went from doctors to therapists to acupuncturists and mostly alone, and I tried everything I could do to get better. It was a very dark time, but in the midst of it, hope showed up. Hope showed up for me in the person of my best friend, who spontaneously began to call me and I her every single day, every day, while I was still sick, while I was still in the shadows. And we carried this out for more than a year. I'd have an awful day, but then the phone would ring and there was my friend to check in and to listen and to make me laugh. I recovered, and the one thing that most cured my ill, I am convinced, more than any pill or any injection or any therapy, was this. It was my friend's love and her faithfulness and her showing up, even in the dark. Showing up in hope. So this Easter morning, God's question to all of us is simple. Friends, where in your world, where in your life do you need to be the hope, the hope that shows up while it is still dark? Who needs you to be there, Mary Magdalene? Your spouse or your child or an aging parent or a lonely friend, your community, your nation, your world, they need you to be hope. It's time to get up before the sun. And friends, We can trust this too. If you need hope today, hope for a heart that's broken or for grief that won't go away or to find a purpose in life or to just know joy in the promise of spring, I dare you to believe this, that God's hope is waiting here for you too, to trust in this, to look for the dawn's early light because the tomb is empty and hope has burst out all over the earth. Jesus Christ is risen today and hope lives. Hope cannot be locked up in a dusty tomb. It cannot be held back by the nails on a cross. Hope cannot be pushed away by the cold of winter. Hope wins, always. Hope shows up where? In the dark. Hope shows up and suits up and always, always arrives. That's what makes it hope. Let all God's people of Easter hope say, Amen.